Welcome to the TW Sports Group podcast. I'm Tim Waring. Today we'll be speaking to Auguste Solomon. Auguste was born in Turku, Finland, and is married with two children. He played football until the age of 19 before being forced to be retired after a second ACL injury. He started his coaching qualifications a year later. Holding a number of roles as youth coach and under 19 and under 17 coach for a series of Finnish teams, he is now first team women head coach for TPS Turku. TPS is a professional football club based in Turku, Finland. The men's first team and women's first team both play in the highest tier of their respective leagues in Finland. The club is nicknamed Tepsi and was founded in 1922. Augusti has a passion to continue his coach education and regularly attends courses and visits pro clubs across Europe. This includes Benfica, Valencia and RB Leipzig in Germany. He achieved his UEFA license in 2017. Sit back and enjoy this episode with Augusti Solomon. Good morning, Augusti. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. How how are you this morning? What's the weather like with you? Are you in Turku in Finland? Yeah, actually I'm I'm in my cupping at the moment, a little bit more south from Turku. Uh, it's a cloudy day, but it's okay. I, I can watch the sea and talk to you, so no problem. Uh, that sounds great. Here in Belfast we have Blue skies and sunshine. It's a perfect autumn morning here. Nice and dry. Yeah. Okay. That sounds interesting. In in Ireland, you have yeah. a blue sky. <laughs> it's unusual. And I'm due to get on a flight this afternoon to Manchester. And it always rains there. I actually think Manchester it rains more than Belfast. So uh, we'll have to see how it goes. I'm hoping with good luck and the blue skies remain. <laughs> <laughs> But here, tell us then, um, you know, growing up, tell us a bit more about Turku and Finland. Uh, Turku, the town where I grew up, uh, is the oldest town in Finland. And uh, so there's Finland a lot around us. Mm -hmm. And where I grew up uh, was uh, the place where it wasn't that uh, nice place to grow up, but I was happy child. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do all kind of stuff, mostly play football outside, uh, street football with friends and with yeah. my brother. And uh, around us, close to us, they live like four or five players who play in top division in Finland. So we have something to look at when we practice and when we played and we went to watch the games and we saw those same birds on stadium week mm-hmm. after week. So basically the, where I grow up was place you have to some some sport or criminal way. And I have a couple of friends who who reached it to NA in ice hockey and a couple of friends who become the professional play players in Europe. My oh, brother wow. was, who played in Germany eight years. So it was an interesting place. 
grow up. So you have yeah. people around you and they support you to become a better player. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And I've been in Finland probably on five occasions. Uh, now, unfortunately, I haven't been to Turku, Helsinki and Amatra I've been to. Helsinki is a couple hours away from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Amatra is right across the other side of the country, right in the Russian border. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To the east, Kotka and Hamina and Lappiranta. So, yeah, that's it, exactly. That's it, exactly. And I was doing, uh, I take it you were watching Finland in the Euros? Yeah. Actually, in Euros, the interesting thing is uh, in qualification, I, I think we better than in the Euro finals. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. qualifications, we're more attacking way, more organized upper on the field, but in the finals, for some reason, they choose to uh, drop drop down more and uh, uh, focus. I yeah, don't know the reason yeah. behind of that, but the, what he's doing. So I had an idea. idea. Why? Why is that? Yeah. Yeah. And I was, do, I was doing some research to see what famous person has, has come from Turku. And I don't know now, I'm sure my age when I was in my prime, there's a top dance musician. Now, hopefully technology will allow me to play this. And I want you to tell me, do you know the song? And do you know the artist? Let's see if you can hear this. This should be the Finnish national anthem. Sandstorm, yeah. He's from <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. I, I, Actually, uh, uh, I lived two years in uh, uh, downtown, and uh, uh-huh. he was our neighbor. You're joking. He was your neighbor, the rude. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love this song. Yeah, it's well, old song. Oh, old here's song, the listeners yeah. now enjoying it. Here's the beat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that should be the Finnish national anthem. I loved the rude growing up. Uh, that that was a. Uh, so, I mean, take me back to my prime, going up and growing up in Belfast. I guess they, there were some nightclubs that we went to uh, that always played Sandstorm. I think that must be going back to the year 2000, I'm going to guess. Yeah, I think around the year 2000, yeah. There was a, a famous nightclub called The Box in the Odyssey, and uh, they used to do an event every Tuesday that was called Cracks Nighty. <laughs> um, <laughs> And and the drinks were ninety p, ninety pence. The drinks, <laughs> oh, somewhat more expensive now. Um, but yeah, that's amazing. So the rude was one of your neighbors. Yeah, he he lived uh, yeah quite close to me. Yeah, same, <laughs> and you still same keep building same building. That's that's uh, here. That but this is so random. This would be this would be one of the highlights of the podcast. I'm really impressed. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I never met him, uh, but I knew he le- lived there. So, brilliant, my wife, brilliant. she met him a couple times. But uh, that's quality. <laughs> oh, super! Well, here I'll, I'll completely sidetrack this now because I just thought that was amazing that uh, he was from Turku. Uh, but tell us then, when you were you were told us about your street football and you were playing. Unfortunately, you had a a bad injury and you had to stop playing quite early on. Yeah, I, I broke my ACL second time when I was 19. And uh, 
on that time, I didn't have any help for anybody to recover back. And mm -hmm. uh, I was wandering around a year thinking what I'm going to do. There was a little hope to going back to playing football, but I knew I'm never going to play in the same level than before. Mm -hmm. And uh, then my friend called me and asked, asked me if I want to be a coach. And I started with a very, very poor team. Mm -hmm. And where I started, they thought that that team will be finished after one year. But for somehow, maybe I was crazy, enthusiastic. Uh, I managed to keep four years and we get better and better on every year. Fantastic. And, um, then and and, and what yeah. age what age group was that team? Uh, FC. And uh, was that a um, a youth team then? What ages yeah, were the yeah, players? Actually, the first has played in a long time in a top division in Finland, Veikkausliiga. Uh, but it was early. Uh, mm. Yeah, I think they played on top division on that time too. The first team. Right. Okay. So you coach in U12, U13, 14, 15. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what was that transition like? So when you played, what, what position did you play? I was, uh, I, I'm so old. I was a libero. So central defender, but behind a defensive line. Yeah, the sweeper. And, and... Yeah, sweeper is the correct word. We call it libero. Right, oh, very, very good. And I, see, this is what I love. I love speaking to people from all different backgrounds, and you learn new things, you know. So, uh, and how did you find that transition then, going at such a young age into coaching from playing? Did Did it help your young age to connect with the young players? That's the best part. I I understand them pretty well. Mm -hmm. The hardest part was because I was like. Uh, few years older than them uh, to coach and also the parents was difficult part but for somehow I handled those quite well the hardest part was the older coaches mid-30s mid-40s who who was laughing about me to be a coach that young age and uh, you are so young you don't understand anything and I that I can coach and I work mm -hmm. hard uh, and that was time before the internet so I really need to to get information from somewhere and also uh, I moved away from home on that time so I, I didn't have a lot of money so mm -hmm. I couldn't buy a books or anything so basically I, I went to watch the trainings and uh, uh, reflecting trainings and putting things down and I implemented to my team and I work, work that way. So basically, if I'm looking, if I need to start now at 8, 90 to be a coach, it's much easier. There's mm. too, there's even too much. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's 100%. <laughs> because funny, I was, I was similar yourself in terms of started coaching at the age of 18 19 and probably the same timeline because i remember 
dialing into the internet. I think the internet was just a big coming in. <laughs> it was a real funny noise you had to listen to to dial in to the internet. And there wasn't anywhere near as much content as what there is now. Um, and, and I completely agree with you. There's too much there where all of a sudden you have your internet coaches that go on and say, right, we're going to do the, the Barcelona drill here and then we're going to go do deliver finishing like Liverpool and... <laughs> It's just yeah. instead of like breaking the session right down and focusing on topic and and developing and making it age appropriate and that that journey then. So did you start doing your coaching badges back then? Yeah, I think after one year, I I did my D license license, which is lowest the first license, and then a year later I did my C license. That's it. 99 I did my B license and uh, then for some, many reasons uh, I, I stopped, stopped to educating me because one reason was uh, I, I couldn't make it to A course because to be able to be on A course you need to coach the team mm-hmm. where they want you to have an A course uh, yeah. license so yeah. it, it was a uh, one-way street. Uh, I, I didn't find an escape how I can do it. And I I thought, okay, same time my brother moved to Germany and played. I, I thought this better way to educate me to travel to Germany and watch his training and his tra- team training and travel around to clubs. Mm-hmm. Information. Mm-hmm. Also, that mm-hmm. time uh, I, I get married and we get the first child. So I was busy with that. And uh, then I have an opportunity to go to the United States to do some summer camps. So I, I learned new, I learned the language basically there. Uh, I barely talk three, four sentences. And I, I, I jumped to the deep end. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that one week, I was so uh, it was so good week for me. So a year later, I went there and I spent one month there coaching, and I saw the different style of coaching, and I get to know the people, and I get more information. And mm-hmm. uh, also in back home, uh, two thousand four, I was a U seventeen coach, and also the assistant coach of the HR team which played uh, first division which is second highest here mm-hmm. in Finland so I, I get a lot of experience of coaching I saw a lot of different coaches the first team coaches I uh, I was close to them that I, I I learned a lot mm-hmm. uh, and, and did you find that was a big thing then and I mean I, I think it's an amazing journey there, you know, going up and doing your qualifications and then all of a sudden, you know, going to another country, learning a new language and um, and then coming back in and working at a higher level in Finland. Was there mentors then at that club that then helped develop you and continue your development as a coach? No, I was under 30. I was still young. There was no mentors. Basically, one guy who is still mentoring me in a way we have a really critical uh, football thinking con- conversations, which is good. 
I challenged him and he challenged me. On back that time, it was more like I, I was learning everything he said. So basically, after 20 years, I, I think, um, almost 20 years, I think most of the things he said, I could nowadays to uh, say this is not correct. But at that time, it was a learning moment for me. And I, I wasn't that good in my reflective thinking. Yeah. I think that's pretty... People don't like criticism in a way. They sort of build a wall up. They don't like to hear anything. But if it's constructive and it's going to develop you as a coach and as a person, you know, it's uh, that, that that's the best mentors to get that aren't afraid, to be honest, um, to try and shape you and develop you as a coach. And throughout these years coaching you know you went from like under 12 under 13 and you had a nice mix of working right through from under 16 up to under 19 so I suppose it is a good thing working with varied age groups because it makes you you're able to adapt more was there an age group that you preferred to work with uh I don't know every every year the team is unique mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to say which is something I, I always remember. Maybe 2005, the team was so uh, willing to learn the new things. It was interesting to coach them because the team, what they did challenged me every day to do better work next day. And that, mm -hmm. that's the team I still remember. react every time I have a new idea or something uh, I challenge them to work harder which means mm -hmm. meant I need to work even harder next day and yeah. it was a good year it was a really good year uh, and of course 2018 when I was in Palo Iro Trauma about two one hour drive away from uh, we, we got promotion we won the league and we get promoted. That was a special year, especially mm -hmm. there was so many things going on throughout that year. So mm -hmm. it was an interesting year. And, and tell the listeners, you know, in Finland, this sort of setup in terms of, you know, do you play in, in, in smaller areas or can you play at the top level? You play any team from any side of the country even things like weather conditions, because obviously in Finland it gets very cold in the winter. Uh, there's lots of snow. So what way does the season and training operate? The regular season is from uh, April to October, mm -hmm. mid-October. And the pre-season is always wintertime. And where I'm from, Turku, we train mostly, mostly outside throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And if the weather is really cold, then we have to figure it out. But most most of the time, minus five is okay to train outside. It's yeah. not a problem. And we have a warming systems underneath the field. So most of the time, the, times the field is good. And if there's a little bit snow, it's not a problem. It's only snow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have training, but it's a challenge. But... There's a lot of indoors and many teams are the first teams may basically training indoors, but when you are lower level or youth teams, they train outside. And yeah. for us, it's not a problem. 
accent. You just adapt. You're you're used to seeing the snow from when when you start seeing the snow November time. When I was younger, uh, it was November time. Now nowadays, uh, it's after Christmas, maybe January. So oh, the, you you can see you you can I have lived through the global and yeah. because winter is coming, let's say month month and a half later than it used to came. Mm-hmm. Goodness, and and I suppose then as well that's another thing I always remember the first time I came to uh, coach in Finland. There wasn't much daylight hours uh, as it came at Christmas. It was very, very dark, very, very quick. Uh, and then the opposite, the last number of four years, I've come out every summer to coach in Amatra. It just stays bright the whole day. Uh, when we come in July, <laughs> it hardly gets dark at all. Yeah, it's uh, Christmas time. Uh, yeah. Down south, daylight like five, six hours, which is more than up north. And sometimes we... We could train easily ten o'clock evening. Goodness, brilliant! Yeah, oh, it's, 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 uh, I, I'm a big fan of Finland. Beautiful country, really yeah, nice people. Very green, very green. A lot of nature. Uh, mm-hmm. Sea, seaside everywhere or lakeside. Uh, yeah, it's a yeah. good place to be. Yeah, and then continuing your journey here, uh, you then went to FC. Enter Turku again for the second time. That was a uh, 2011. You returned there as a youth coach. Yeah, uh, it was after the 2010 when I I was able to take my biggest job on that uh, so far. Uh, I signed up. Uh, I only have one player, and I need needed to build up the whole team from the scratch, and we relocated, and I was close to with all the coaching and my friend told me to hey come come to help me and just help me and support me and that kind of stuff and two months three months later I, I was I noticed that I was running all the training sessions and uh, it was with U12 U12 couple of years and then I, I got the U17 team and I was in you 17 three years first year we played in top division second uh, next two seasons we played in the second highest and uh, so it was it, it was experiment. yeah and and probably this is a nice stage maybe to ask uh yeah go stay for the listeners the structure of youth football in finland you know, what way does that operate? Do they start off playing five aside from the age of, is it six, seven? And talk us through, you know, what way you move up. Is it five aside, then seven or eight aside? And what ages would the generally change? Uh, they start and they move to eight, eight aside. And then I think this, I'm not sure about, is there any more nine aside and then 11 v 11? But now, youth coach it was like u12 start 11 v 11 now they start more or less in u13 u14 to play 11 v 11 
Yeah, yeah. And in terms of yourself as a as a coach, you know, what's you know your philosophy? You know, what 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 system of play do you like to play? What do you like to play out from the back, or does it depend? Obviously, what team you're at, and what ingredients in terms of the players that you have at your disposal. Uh, system for me always depends of the players who are available, mm-hmm. but uh, sometimes I I play three at on the back, sometimes four, sometimes uh, one, four, three, three. Sometimes this year we have played one, four, four, two, mm-hmm. because we only have two, two, three midfield midfield players, and we have many strikers, and uh, we choose to play one, four, four, two. Yeah. But uh, the basic idea with everything is uh. I want my team to press as high as possible, and uh, let's let's use the trendy word uh, counter pressing. Is I have used last twenty years, but now it's trend. <laughs> yeah. And uh, of course, we want to build up. If we have players who are able to do that, we want to keep the ball. We want to play maybe ball on the ground, but back style. So the mm-hmm. aim is always to play forward instead of keeping the ball on our back third. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And and then that journey then, your first role then in 2017 as a first-team head coach then, so that was with ABO, AFK, who were third division. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, how, how did you find that leap going from you know, working at youth level and U17, U19, going up to working at the first team with the senior team? Uh, after yes, uh, Turku U17, I, I thought because here they don't pay that big money, I, I needed to challenge somehow. And I, I thought I'm, I'm, I want to look something new and I got an offer from the team. And mm-hmm. I thought this is interesting. Uh, I want to jump in, and uh, it was an interesting year. And mm-hmm. I learned a lot of things to how to develop the team, how to create the team, and the playing style. Also, the challenges with with uh, trainings. If you want to practice build up today, uh, you probably can't do it because you don't have those players available on training. Next day you want to try it again, but then you had different players to do it. So you train basically with, uh, let's say, 16 players three times a week, but mm-hmm. eight of we train. <laughs> That's frustrating. <laughs> um, and at, that, at that level, what's the sort of player commitment? Are they having to juggle three sessions a week in their game along with full-time jobs or education? It depends. It depends because uh, when I went to Palo Irok, uh, I didn't have any problems with having players in the training. It's also... The players have to have a, a commitment to what they do. And uh, when you are in a big city and in a lower league, the players are not that commitment like because mm-hmm. the Palo was the top uh, first first team in the whole city, 
and so the players were keen to play there and they really work, want to work hard and of course we we have some money to bring some players outside uh, to help the team to win the league so yeah I was going to say it was you, you won the league as head coach in 2018 yeah I mean yeah. that was a, a huge a great achievement yeah it was uh, yeah, it was, and it was a good season. We would won the league with ten points difference to the second. So it was three years before, three rounds before the end of the season. We're gonna win the league. Amazing, amazing, and it's bringing it up now to uh, quite current. Now you, you returned to TPS Turku as the U nineteen head coach, and. Yeah. Um, I see now you're the first team women's head coach. Is this the first time you've worked with uh, with women? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't try to jump in the deep end to get new challenge. And, uh, I got a nice offer, and uh, I thought, why not? I want to try mm -hmm. it. Uh, this is new for me. This could be something uh, which challenged me a lot, and I I got below as myself, mm -hmm. as a coach, mm -hmm. and uh, new world. Yeah. Uh, and what do you find in the main differences in between working with the men and now with women? The first thing uh, I can say for everybody is I have been, last 12 months, I have been than social worker than in some other things. Yeah. Because the players are willing to train and they work hard and they want to learn the new things. So I can be a real coach, not social worker. And mm -hmm. the sec second thing probably is uh, think twice before you say anything with men. Mm -hmm. you, you can just basically say whatever you want. Mm -hmm. But with women, you have to be more uh is what you are saying because they 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 yeah yeah so you, you need to be consistent and you be you clear what you are saying mm -hmm. and and what sort of schedule then do the women have was you you play in the top division uh with the women with turku uh what 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 training schedule do they have throughout the week? Uh, first of all, 2020, they relegated. And uh, my mm -hmm. job was to rebuild the club, women's side and the team. Mm -hmm. So we start from the scratch. And uh, we still train the same amount of training times. We train four times a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. That is normally a game. If mm -hmm. games on Sunday, we train on Saturday. Thursday, uh, Tuesday, it depends on the last week. But four times yeah. a week, we, we, we train four times a week. Fantastic. And, and is, it like a, is it like a full time job for the women? Is it like a professional paid league? Or again, do they have to combine sort of with their studies and playing? And maybe some have got full time paid jobs? They have a day job or they study something so they're in school. Mm -hmm. So 
it's not only only in top league there are a couple teams who paid something for the place right right but my, my in my club yes doesn't have to pay to play for us and there are right. there are some clubs where need to pay to be part of the club or team yeah yeah yeah, and how's the season went for you then with the with the women? Because you're just coming to a close now. Is the season just about to finish? Yeah, we have a last game on Saturday, and um, result-wise, it could be better. But mm-hmm. developing to the playing style and the basic for the next year, uh, I think we manage better than I expect. Mm-hmm. The playing style is so clear. The players know exactly what to do. On so that's a good place to start next season. And then we are probably more ready to play the top uh, places and get promotion to to a top league. Fantastic. And I just sort of now want to change the direction now back into sort of the coach education. And you achieved your UFA license in 2017. And yeah. uh, just just for the listeners, you know, explain sort of, uh, you know, what, what's like the, the coach education system like in Finland. You know, understand that it's obviously UEFA and it's a similar remit where all the football associations have to operate in terms of their courses. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe explain just to the listeners what, what way you found how the courses were delivered by the Finnish FA. If you look at my CV, you see I have been in different courses also. And uh, I think um, uh, during UFA, you you need to take a lot of ownership of your studies. And you have a lot of to do. Basically, uh, have a maybe with the, with the group. Sometimes you may meet uh, smaller groups where you're basically watching and observing other coaches' trainings and you analyze the trainings and pretty basic stuff that every FA is doing or used to do that the other coaches are criticizing your training and you criticize other coaches' training and then uh, end of the day, nobody's not seeing anybody because they don't want to be a bad person. Yeah. And in terms of cost and stuff, you know, because this is always one that comes up quite a lot in the UK and in Ireland, is the cost of the coaching licenses. How much in Finland would it be to do your UFA license qualification? Oh, it takes one year. And uh, first week you spend together with the group and then you have a some tasks to do and you have to send those tasks and you get uh, plus or minus from that from those tasks and then you have one week with youth national team players when when where the educators are evaluating coaching style and what you are doing the best way to do it is the meeting some way wants to see to, in, to mm-hmm. those trainings, not doing your own things, that's the, that's the easiest way to ex- escape from criticism. Yeah. yeah, and then you have your final 
uh, task, uh, final task from the course. And uh, if you manage to do that, then you're. Yeah. That's and, basically. And the cost, you know, the, the, the financial cost to do a course in the UFAA in Finland, how much would it be? I think it's two and a half thousand euros. Uh, the courses was that that's that's a big thing that a lot of coaches um i mean i'm showing my age here i achieved my ufaa back in i think it was maybe 2003 2004 maybe and the first part of my course was 300 pounds sterling <laughs> but back then that was actually a lot more money than what it sounds like today yeah um, the clubs are paying you your course so you are basically making a contract and at the same time uh, that's one of the deal. Okay, maybe sometimes you do the two years contract because they are paying your course. Mm. And uh, so basically you don't pay your own course. You have for courses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, funny, that's something that we, which we always try and do yourselves with at TW Braga. We try to always support the coaches when they're when they're doing their coaching licenses. And I, I love your passion. I also try to continue my coach education by making visits to the clubs around Europe. And, you know, looking down your club visits, uh, you know, you've been in Amsterdam uh, for periodization mentorship course. Uh, you've also traveled to Rotterdam and, and Lisbon. And the Spain with Valencia and RB Leipzig in Germany, you know, tell us, tell us a little bit about that. You know, sort of certain clubs that maybe stick in your mind that you've uh, were very impressed with. Uh, I I think uh, from those courses that uh, that was a full day of working, and we get to just visiting the Valencia and RB Leipzig, uh, Benfica. Most of the time, room to study. Uh, yeah. If I have to say one club, I would say uh, Schalke from Germany. I went to visit my brother and we went to watch the Schalke's training and uh, the great training ground. And uh, I, I was lucky to see some new teams train there. And mm. that was something I, I always remember because there was a lot of things that was new for me. And I, on that time, I bring them back to Finland and I start to implement into my ideas of culture. Yeah, yeah. And, and what was the kind of things that you've seen Schalke do that sort of stuck in your mind that impressed you? Uh, yeah. I, I think the most... Interesting part was the transition games, what they did on that time over there, and mm -hmm. the uh, quality of the uh, those trainings and uh, of the trains that was most interesting part for me. Yeah, yeah, it's just the the, the speed and the intensity that the players work to. Yeah, and uh, it was interesting. Uh, while I was watching 2014 uh, World Cup and how Germany played, and I have saw that many years earlier in the lower levels uh, in mm -hmm. Germany, the same playing style was mm -hmm. there. All and uh, 2014, it was in, in its peak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
semi-finals against Brazil. Yeah. 21 minutes. Oh. Amazing. So, and what, 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 you know, is there any club visits you've got now that you're looking forward to now that things are starting to get back to a bit of normality with the pandemic that we can travel a wee bit freer now? Yeah. Uh, probably when everything's clear and safe to travel, I probably go to visit in Frankfurt and uh, probably I have a chance to see the Eintracht training, maybe going to Mainz and visit them. And to, that's the next thing probably I'm going to do. Fantastic. Brilliant. I know that's one thing I'm looking forward to because it's been a, it's been a long while since getting away. Um, as I said, I've got a, a flight that I'm looking forward to today over to, over to Manchester to see Manchester United. Um, but I'm hoping to get a couple of coach education uh, and club pro club visits over the next couple of months. Uh, but uh, it's at this stage of the podcast that we have a weekly feature and that we ask each of our guests, can you name your five-a-side dream team based on your nationality of players that you've seen in your lifetime? Yeah, that was a tricky question. I was thinking a long time. If I start for, for the Finnish team, there's going to be Danula Eckerman on a goal. Yeah. He lived leave next, almost next door to me. And he was uh-huh. playing in a top league when I was like uh, eight, ten, and he was always ready to come up and uh, playing some football with us. Yeah, yeah. And sadly, he died a uh, young age. And oh dear! That, but still, good memories. Then uh, I was thinking, play money in a team. Yeah, no fantastic player. And uh, Mika Altonen, who used to play in the 80s from the same district now I am. And he was the first Finnish player who played in Italy. Right. And he's from my hometown. And uh, he was the one I, I was also seeing on the field when I was young, practicing mm-hmm. himself. Uh, then uh, I, I have to pick Sami Hupia. Mm-hmm. Sadly, he played in the wrong club many years <laughs> in England. Yeah. <laughs> Our he, rivals. <laughs> he he was wrong side of the park. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and then Mika for sale oh. for a strike. Brilliant. I think that's my team. Fantastic. That's a, that's a great shout. And uh, what we always ask as well is now, can you? Name your worldwide five-a-side dream team. So uh, it's nice just to see the variations of what players and if there's any players that actually remain and keep their place. Well, let's start from the goalie. That's going to be Neville Southall. Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm guessing now you're a big Everton supporter. Yeah, since 85. Real wow. glory hunter. <laughs> uh and of course, Kevin Ratliff is in, in the team because I, when I was young, I, I was watching him because he played in the same position uh, I, I did. Mm-hmm. So, 
player for me. Then I have to say Paolo Rossi from Italy. Mm-hmm. First World Cup 82 I watched and he was there. And, uh, I, I, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then there's going to be Diego Maradona, of course. Yeah, what a player. Biggest player ever. Mm-hmm. And then the last one was tricky. Mm-hmm. This was really tricky when I was thinking this one. Who it's going to be. And uh, I end up with Michael Lautrup. Michael Lautrup. Oh, yeah. Danish well, player uh, who was in his very good 84-86 European Cup and World Cup. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Great, great team. Always love doing this uh, and asking this question because our guests are from so many different places in the world, so many different ages, you know, which obviously then really um, helps select what teams. So it's really interesting to get your view on that. And that's a great team. And finally, we always ask a question to finish off is, who would you recommend that we feature in a future episode of the TW Sports Group podcast? I have a couple ideas, but I I think my brother could be a good good person to be in your show. He has stories about how is it to grow up and be a top player in Finland and going to Germany and play there and mm-hmm. and then move coach there. Wow. And what and what's his name then? Tuukka Salonen. Brilliant. Well, we'll look forward to getting Tuga on a, a future episode. And uh, Augusti, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I'm also starting to get nervous because Manchester United have lost their last two games. I'm hoping we get a victory this evening. But we play Everton on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, don't be worried. This is funny thing. Uh, I, I know many Man United fans and they are so down at the moment, but that's my life last 20, 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> so there's nothing new. Uh, you're going to lose today, but no. Uh, you, you, you're going to lose on weekend. Today you were going to win. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I fancy us to win this evening. So just before we uh, say cheerio, we need to get our predictions in. So this podcast is going out. I know it'll be Thursday it goes out. So what is your prediction for the weekend game, Manchester United, Everton? Uh, one nil for Everton. Oh, we've, we've had a couple of one nil defeats recently. I'm going to say... 2-0 Manchester United. Ah, no way. No way. <laughs> we'll have to put then our, our little stake on it that if, if you win, I have to send some harp lager or rock shore over to you. <laughs> and if, if, if my result is right, you'll have to send me over some of the, the best Finnish beer. I remember the one with the wee burr. What's on the front? What's that called? Karu or Karu? Yeah, that's the best beer in Finland. Yeah. So, so if my prediction's right, the car who is coming over to me then. Yeah. <laughs> that's a deal. <laughs> well, we'll have to get you over to Belfast sometime. Uh, 
I was here, there a couple of years ago, just a couple of hours, but uh, I hope to come back and see because I, I, I love the nature of Northern Ireland. Yeah, well, you'd be more than welcome to come and spend some time at our club and we'll also take you around, show you all the sights. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, well, Augusti, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast and I hope to see you in the not-too-distant future. Thank you for having me and uh, best of luck. Thank you, my friend. All the best. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Good luck. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks to Augusti Solomon and thank you to everyone for listening. Please remember to subscribe to our weekly podcast and share with your friends. If you can also give us a review, it would be great. You can get in touch for a shout out by emailing tim at twsports.org. Just put podcast in the subject box. If you'd like to support the podcast and receive my weekly video training sessions, become a patron now at patreon.com forward slash twsportsgroup. You can support us from as little as £3 per month and you gain access to the library of training sessions. Thanks for listening. I'm Tim Waring and I'll be back next week with another episode on the TW Sports Group podcast. Speak then and take care.